0: Welcome to the Going in Circles Podcast Network. This is the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I am the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, the sniper, will be with us momentarily. This is our second show of 2021, which unfortunately doesn't seem to be all that much improved over 2020, but it's still early. Tonight, we'll recap some of the stakes action, sparse stakes action, but Six action, nonetheless, from the past weekend. We'll talk about some of the uh, upcoming races that are on the schedule. And we'll talk about uh, something that I hate to talk about, but it's out there. And basically, the only thing that people have been talking about involving racing in the last 48 hours. It's uh, just is what it is. All right, we'll be right back with The Sniper. The Going in Circles Big Monday show is proud to be sponsored by BRL Equine, the premier equine supplement company in the horse racing industry. This is not a fly-by-night operation, BRL Equine. They spend millions of dollars on research and development before these products hit the market. They only use FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture their products. They don't use fillers. They use the best ingredients. What they say is in them is in them. And I can personally testify that they work, which is certainly the most important factor in Equine supplements. They stand behind their product. BRL Equine offers a money-back guarantee If you're not satisfied, they currently have four products, for racehorses, Flexify, Unlock, Bleeder Shield, and EPO Equine, the legal EPO. Contact Joe Viliante at 215-501-6880. Tell him Chuck from the Big Monday Show said to call. He will fill you in on all the details and... You never know, he might even buy you lunch. b r l Wine, the best of the best. Mr. Spears. That would be me. Glad that you could make it tonight? Always. I A wouldn't miss night. it.
1: Wouldn't miss it. A busy night of, in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't on the COVID list for the NBA, so I guess I'm here. You're actually one of the few that's not on the
0: COVID list. <laughs>
1: Or Holy... or Ohio
0: State, <laughs> oh man, as the uh the roster seemed to be a little bit decimated, but uh, a little thin, but they're keeping up. It's 14-14, and uh, just second quarter just started, so you know sometimes the backup might be better than the starter. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually a little biased. Uh, a
1: friend of mine uh is married to the uh, Ohio State coach.
0: Well, so thankfully she's, she's not married to Nick Saban. We don't like Nick Saban.
1: Yeah, no, no, no.
0: That dude's as a matter of fact, back. I think it was nine years ago today that Nick Saban made the infamous I am not going back to college, <laughs> I'm going to remain the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And yeah, uh, we, see, <laughs> we see how that worked out, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. There's um- The one kind of element that you can take from professional sports and, um, and, and you know sports at the level of Alabama and Ohio State football is that every precaution has been taken to get these players, um, you know, in, in as safe of a bubble as, as can be without being in an actual bubble. And yet it's still not enough. And of course, we don't know what people do or where they go 24 hours a day if if they're not in a bubble like the NBA had last fall. And that is a scary notion for horse racing as we still have yet to have any major interruptions outside of Golden Gate, um, at least in the last few months. And as we're starting to get into the meat of the championship meet at Gulfstream and the winter meet at Santa Anita, um, it's a little bit scary thinking.
1: Well, are, are they still testing like they were? I mean, I, I haven't heard anything. I, I don't know the if they're protocols and they're still doing that sort of thing. Are they just
0: like, oh, well, if it happens, it happens. I believe they're still testing the jockeys. I don't know the frequency. And that is a very good point in that um, in the NBA and in the NFL, the players and coaches are all tested daily. So it's it's much more apt to catch um, a, a positive reading. But um, by the same token, without the testing, it also allows uh, perhaps the virus to spread without people even knowing especially jockeys are, are, are very fit mostly young uh, you know, athletes and most of them probably aren't going to be negatively affected like normal people or people with underlying conditions would be but still it, it's kind of a a little bit of a sobering thought when you see uh, you know, NBA's cancel two games tonight the Cleveland Browns somehow won a game without having a single practicer or having their head coach and uh, we are a sport and and, um, certainly we're not at the professional uh, we're a professional sport but we're not at the level of those leagues that of course also have far greater revenue to to do this but um, yeah it's a reminder of you know how, how how well we've done but how vulnerable we still are
1: yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I just would have a hard time believing that, you know, like you said, with all the the people changing tracks and, you know, everything that's going on, um, I just it just boggles my mind. We haven't had more tests or more positive tests um, than we have, especially lately. There hasn't been any. I mean, other than what was going on at Golden Gate. I really haven't heard anything, which
0: seems like it's it's almost unbelievable. No, I know at Gulfstream and Palmettos, of course, which is an extension of Gulfstream. Uh, negative COVID tests within, I believe, forty-eight or seventy-two hours were required for all the personnel, grooms, hot walkers, exercise riders, assistant trainers, trainers, uh, coming in from out of town. So. Uh, I don't have information if anyone was positive or I guess if you came back positive, you, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't show up with the, po- the the positive test and say, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm positive. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, we, we can't take for granted that uh, things are going to keep going on, but we have to kind of keep going on. So yeah. Yep, absolutely. Even uh, when the
1: world's upside down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, It was kind of a light stakes schedule this weekend. Uh, Only three graded stakes, two at Santa Anita um, and one at at Gulfstream. Um, I guess we'll start at Gulfstream in um, the, uh, the Tropical Turf event, which it was kind of um, uh, kind of for the 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 horses that that didn't get invited to the Pegasus Turf <laughs> group, um, but uh, it was one in a pretty impressive fashion by by Ray's, a Ride a Comet. It was a six year old candy ride, called, uh, trained by Mark Cassie, with Tyler Gaffleone. And the pace was was not particularly fast in the race. And the, the, the dynamics of the race changed, obviously, when analyzed it uh, from Chad Brown's barn was a, a, an early scratch uh, due to what's said to be a issue with a quarter crack. So he's out of this race. And. The pace was not particularly strong. Um, no, it was pretty slow. <laughs> Casacree was the horse that seemed to be uh, getting a, a perfect trip in that race. And sitting second and behind those fractions. Um, Frostmore was the leader. And I think uh, the what, 24 almost to the quarter. It's 47 and changed to the half. Going a mile at Gulfstream. That's really, that's, for that caliber that's of slow. horse. I think Pete Eilert, you even... Uh, said so pedestrian. I think he used it. Yeah, but the pace wasn't <laughs> slow. The ride of Comet, you know, was, was not too far off, kind of in a stalking position, was three wide around the turn, widest of the the three first, you know, the, across the wire. And it looked like Casa Creed at the eighth pole was, was going to win the race. And ride of Comet just kind of um just kind of outgamed him in the stretch.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's a good word for it, I would think. <laughs> um, but I saw he uh, he got invited to the Pegasus Turf. Yeah, I, he thought got, I saw he, that. he
0: got he got the late invite. So
1: yeah, um, so did Independence Hall, which I'm kind of excited about, even though people have jumped ship on him. But I well, have yeah, yeah.
0: The, There's honestly since last week when we were on there. There's been a couple developments in in the uh, the Pegasus. Charlatan is going to pass, and he's going to be headed to uh, Saudi Arabia for the $20 million race, which is understandable. I, I mean, we talked about <laughs> and said, you know, we don't know that all these horses are going to, to run because who else is left? I think Tacticus or whatever his name is, I think he's pointed to one of the, the races in the Middle East, but he doesn't exactly scare anyone. And I'm not exactly sure again who else from this country um, is is really missing uh, from that list. So yeah, other than the ones that are retired.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: There, there's thousand words was announced retired today. Um, another one. It, it's it's just I I don't know. Maybe it's it just the way it seems like there's been an unusually high number of horses going to stud or maybe it's just um, there's not a lot of other news and, and we're just happy to be paying more attention to it. I, I don't know but uh, you know Charlatan out I, I think Math Wizard has drawn in um, and like you said there was a couple uh, uh, late invitees but I mean nothing that's really in good form. So it remains to be seen exactly still. Yeah. You know, who's going to show up? And, and um, I'll tell you who did show up in the La at Santa Anita was a horse from Chile named Saninus S-A-N-E. Sanias? Sanias, right? Sanias. Who's a scat daddy, another scat daddy. Scat daddy had some un, unbelievable success in Chile. I mean, it's just amazing how how, uh, how well he did down there. He just was he was getting five or six Grade One horses a year. It seemed like, which is just crazy. Yeah, he, he was doing well here too. <laughs> yeah, um, but she shipped in. Phil D'Amato has her, and she destroyed the field. She she won by six, and and it wasn't even close. Uh, Fighting Mad was the the four to five favorite uh, horse. Trained by Bob Baffert, owned by uh, Gary Mary West. And she had kind of, she, she was out of it kind of early. Going to the half mile pole, um, they had kind of collared her. And she really didn't have much fight left. And she was a real disappointment. But um, <laughs> was was really strong. She moved at the quarter pole and just blew them away. And she looks like she's going to be a, a, a player in, in the older mare um, dirt, you know, route racing uh, division, which, which seems to be extremely strong. We have Monomoy Girl coming back. You have um, Swiss Skydiver coming back. You have some of the other fillies that, that ran in the Breeders' Cup, uh, this staff that look like, um, you know, that they, they ran second and third. It. So it's going to be a really strong division. And, and well, I'm, be, I, I'm be
1: Twitter guy for a second. Yes, sir. But but who did she beat?
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It wasn't exactly a, a Breeders' Cup distaff field, but she beat them like a drum. Right. She she did what she was
1: supposed to do and then some, which yeah. is good. Right. But you know, I I don't know how well she'll size up to Monomoy Girl or Swiss Skydiver or. You know what I mean? It, it's it's tough to compare, uh, especially you know out west. You know it's it's just tough. I mean, they they really have to face each other for you to find out. That's know. true, but you know I mean,
0: Monomoy Girl will probably be having another light Two races. Yeah, so we don't know, you know where she's going to pop back up. I, I believe she's just going back into training. Um, maybe Derby Day. Uh, the, the they change the names of these races all the time. The Falls City, I think it used to be. And I, I don't know exactly where, where they're planning on bringing her back. And, of course, they're not going to run her until she's 100% ready to run, obviously. But um, South American mayors that uh, show up in, in Southern California and dominate, sometimes that, that becomes a thing. Bayacoa, Pasadena, a, a lot of those mayors came through Southern California and, and came to the U S and then became real, you know, forces in a division. So, so it'll be interesting to see, um, the next, uh, the, the, the very, next race after that, the La Senada, <laughs> <laughs> which is a grade three race going six furlongs on the brand new turf course, uh, the turf shoot at Santa Anita. That race was was totally changed. It's so funny. You can handicap races, and you can think you have a, a great um, opinion on what you think is going to happen in the race, <laughs> and then <laughs> the gate opens <laughs> and, and Joelle flips over the, the horse. The jock on the favorite, like, winds up like doing a a, a triple gainer off the top rope, and uh, she's out of the race. And uh, Sharmina Mia of Phil D'Amato took advantage of that by running to the lead and, and going wire to wire, setting a course record. Of course, the course is two weeks old, so it's not exactly uh, like a, a long record. It probably won't last very long, but it, it was a course record, and uh, she did win by a couple lengths. So uh, Phil swept the stakes out there, both grade threes. Drayden Van Dyke road um and she beat a couple of mandela runners uh Julie Olympica and uh who was also a South American that had shipped up from Brazil and superstition who was uh, also trained by Mr Mandela so very disappointed I,
1: I i'm i'm not i'm not usually one to to question rides very often but i was very disappointed at how joli olympico was ridden
0: you were you were hoping for a, a little more pace yeah a little little stocky, but it was more like a closey. yeah well being that the winner went wire to wire you certainly have a <laughs> have a case there because um I mean, it was kind of over <laughs> when she hit. The it was turn. done. It was over by yeah. by midway
1: on the far turn. There was nobody catching that. Yeah,
0: it, it was. It was kind of like and and Speed's been playing pretty well uh, at the various distances uh, coming out of out of the the, the turf chute now. So, I, which is not surprising. I mean, it's not. You're in a period of time in Southern California where you you don't get a lot of rain and course is pretty firm and and it's uh you know it, it's it's a one turn race and without the the hill being kind of the x factor i, I think um you're going to see speed be be uh you know play 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 a bigger factor than uh, than it normally
1: would yeah i mean i find that it it plays a, you know at least so far a little bit like belmont those six furlongs at Belmont, you know, obviously not the wide sweeping turns, but, uh, you know, uh, it seems like inside speed doesn't really have an advantage. Although I think it was in the last race yesterday, a horse went wire to wire, but I don't know. Was that six furlongs? I can't remember. Um, I think it was, it was, uh, Rispoli on a 25 to one shot. Um, But, yeah, it seems like it plays kind of like the turf at Belmont. You know, I guess the thing is for me is I'm not used to the six furlongs. I'm used to the five, five and a half. And that extra furlong makes, you know, half a furlong makes so much more of a difference, you know, with who's finishing the race and who doesn't. And it seems like, you know, it seems like the jockeys are still kind of getting used to it, too. Right, no, no doubt,
0: no doubt. Uh, King Guillermo is the other horse that's, uh, oh yeah, that's, that's drawn goodness. into the uh, into the uh, the Pegasus Dirt. So,
1: I'm interested. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good betting race.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree that um, that it, it, it seems like it's a wide open race. Having Charlotte not be in the race probably um, makes it that much more. Wide open, as I think he was going to be the favorite. Yeah, but, no doubt, no doubt, he was going to be the favorite. <laughs> yeah, so it, it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see see how it goes. I, I've had a lot of inquiries from people about when fans are going to be allowed back in, and and I can tell you officially, I don't know. I I've, well, I
1: saw that I saw that shot again from the infield, looking in over by the tent. Yeah. There was a crazy amount of people over there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of people there. It seems like the, um, the A-list people, <laughs> the A-list has gotten a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> of course, they're all stuck in the same place, so it might look like there's actually more people than normally would look because <laughs> there's no, no one inside, um, which, you know, of course puts everyone in in one section, which kinda seems like it wouldn't be a great idea, but you know whatever. But uh, I don't know. What are they gonna do?
1: What are they gonna do in two weeks? Or you know (laughs) you know, they're just gonna restrict people to the outside I don't know. (laughs) I mean there's gonna be
0: separate sections for depending on the level of ticket you bought, um, which is of course not that different than most years but i don't know how much walking around uh, you might wind up being restricted to a certain area i I really don't know i really don't know but yeah
1: i mean you know a lot of people like to you know go to the paddock and then walk to the to the fence to see the race live and
0: yeah it's gonna be interesting i don't know how i'm gonna document it i don't know how you can socially distance in that scenario well, not to mention that
1: the grandstand isn't big. It's not big. Not, it's not big.
0: Nope. It is not big. So we'll see what happens, but I, I don't know. And, and if I can find out, if, if, um, uh, if I get any information, I will make sure that I will put it out on social media, um, as fast as I can. And of course, um, you know, there, there's been no official release, so. Um.
1: Right, that's that's the other thing that, that I find kind of curious because it's kind of in limbo. I guess that all systems go. I guess if you don't hear nothing, then nothing's
0: wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's uh, it, it's it's tough because people want to make plans, and, I mean, I'll be honest. Over the New Year's uh, weekend. There was a lot of people out and about in South Florida. A lot oh, yeah. of, you saw a lot of uh, license plates from out of town. A lot of people had come down here because things are so open. So I don't think it's it's restrictions from the state or the county or the city. But so it's I, the track. I can't I really tell you for sure what it is um, because it's it's really not being made public. So. Hmm. So we'll move ahead and uh, you know see what happens and hopefully, hopefully, I, I mean that they'll come to some sort of decision so people can can make their plans.
1: Well, it's a good thing I'm only a three hour drive. That's true.
0: They know that you're, mm-hmm. you're they know you're a, you're a day tripper. <laughs> Well, it, it,
1: you know, I figured at worst I can go get some of those onion rings that you had the other day.
0: Oh man, those things were good. I had onion rings for lunch. Nothing else. I got them from Quickies. Quickies, Quickies drive through. Quickies hmm. drive through is a little bit hoodish, but it's, uh, it's the best spot, man. <laughs> it's the best spot, man. Like you, you know, you're you got about a fifteen percent chance of. Of, of you know, getting harassed in the drive-through, but <laughs> harassed. You never know, people. I was gonna say shot, but well, one thing fine. about drive-throughs, people know you got money because if you didn't have money, you wouldn't be in the drive-through. True that. <laughs> but yeah, those those were really good. But um, this weekend, unfortunately, most of racing Twitter was. Not talking about horse racing. Mm. Talking about uh, stupid shit. To put it... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's,
1: that's perfect. That sums it up. It,
0: it really is. It, it's. 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 Uh, I mean, we're adults, right? And we're supposed to be. We're right? supposed to be above <laughs> this nonsense and. I'm not going to, people want to label people and sometimes the labels actually fit and sometimes people just want to label people because, (laughs) you know, they don't like them for, for whatever reason. So you hear a lot of, uh, it's so funny because we talk about like, our lack of political talk, especially on, on this show, we, we don't talk politics unless it involves racing of some sort. Right. Um, but I, I'm just not interested in talking about it. I'm not interested in people's opinions. I'm not interested in who you voted for. I'm not interested in any of it. And people will prod you on social media to try to make a statement about something. Usually, you know, on uh, wanting you to join them. All if, you know, I, I've, I've heard it before. If you don't say anything, then you're part of the problem. No, jerk. You people that can't shut up are part of the problem. <laughs> there are some <laughs> things that like, uh, I'm not a political pundit. I don't have any, um, I, I didn't go to a American university for international studies or poly science. I, 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 you know, I, I have a, an accounting degree and I'm a, I'm a bad accountant. I have an animal science degree. So, uh, you know, I'm not educated in any of this. All, all I know is what everyone else knows, and that means, you know, probably nothing. But when it comes <laughs> to horse racing issues, the I, I never thought we would spend a, basically an entire weekend talking about grape soda and a guy with. Two horses in training, um, and just pettiness, where the the lack of uh, of awareness, you know, the, the the inability to understand. It's not political correctness to be racist. If you say racist things, then you know. You're generally a racist, even if you claim you're not a racist. But generally, the people that claim they're not really are. But the just the the entire um, look at me kind of attitude, uh. And and of course, you know, people kept saying, "Well, what's wrong with grape soda? What's wrong with grape soda? What's wrong? I said, "Well, there's nothing actually wrong with grape soda." I mean, Nothing drink, at all. You shouldn't drink soda, period. But if you do, you know, grape soda is fine. It's not that. It's, And that's the whole point that people kind of missed is that it's not the name itself. It's using the name as part of a targeted harassment of someone with racial undertones. That's the issue, not grape soda. It's using right. grape soda... As, as um, uh, you know, a, a means to you know, if he had said you know fried chicken and watermelon, well everybody said, well uh, I said, well you know, grape soda is just a little bit lo- lower on the scale of slurs. Yeah, it's more. It's a little more subtle. It's more subtle, but it wasn't just that. It was these the other um, things on social media that were were certainly targeted for this this person who decided that they didn't like it and i don't blame them and when you have people who are in the business and they're not like the stars of the industry but they're they're people that are they're well known in the business you can't do this you can't have this um you, you know you just can't there's virtually no other um sport where we have to 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 check like you know teams names we're seeing them changing right the washington redskins are no longer football team redskins they're the football team the uh the cleveland indians are changing their name and whatever your feelings are on that they're not targeting people intentionally and personally and that's the difference and when, when you target a, someone personally, then you can't not understand that there's going to be consequences for that. And that's the thing, I think, that the people who say, well, why it's not such a big deal, and this and that. And I mean, let me tell you something. And and I've said this to you, that it's it's nice that, that, that um, you know, Naira has barred Mr. Guillaume, and... Everyone else has jumped on board, and uh, I think the Stronic Group has barred him and all this. Hard, but he, he's essentially out of business, anyways. So it's like the low hanging fruit. It's like right. when the, the guy's you know running away. You know he said, "Well, don't come <laughs> back here." Well, you can't pat yourself on the back for saying, "Well, don't come back here." You got to wonder about why he was there in the first place. And I know him, and 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 I've spoke to him. 500 times most of the time you can't get a word in but <laughs> but uh you know you just can't do these kind of things in in, in modern society and expect to um they're not to be, not to be fallen you no know? there's it's just the way it is and and Yeah,
1: it's one of those things that, you know, I I described because I got a lot of DMs and, you know, so on, Um, because Ken Ken is a good friend of mine. Um, You know, people wondering why, you know, this and that and the other. And, you know, I kind of had to explain the grape soda thing, which is fine. You know, I wouldn't expect anyone who, you know, doesn't think in that manner to understand the slur and how it was targeted um, and why it was hurtful and and things like that. Um, So I don't mind, you know, answering people that would ask me about what it meant and so on. But I mean, the overall thing is right now in 2021 and and it kind of started in 2020, it's just the, the is changing. I don't know whether it's good, bad. I'm not really too sure yet because it, it, it really fully hasn't developed into whatever it's going to be. It's kind of in that transition period. And there's some things that people could do and say maybe five, 10 years ago, let's just say, you know, just for a rough estimate in 2000 that they can't say in 2021 or you it gets a lot more attention because of social media and the way information travels. And there's a whole lot of things, but I guess the overall thing, you know, that for me, that stands out is things are changing. And it was actually good to see the tracks kind of do that, even though it was like, you know, it was, it was like T-ball, you know, it was, it was, it was easy for them to do that. Um, you know, it's just, you know, hopefully you have that optimism that they recognize things are changing and they did something about it. Now, if they can address the other parts of racing that aren't going so well, that would be great too. So, I mean, maybe it's, I'm trying to be an optimist about the whole thing and trying to see it out and say, Hey, you know what? At least they did something. Maybe they'll listen in other
0: parts of the sport to make those things better too. I think the biggest problem, because this individual action is stupid. The person is stupid, and his actions were stupid. And I know he's got away with doing this a million other times. And I'm not saying that he's unique. He's certainly not unique. No, not at all. And uh, I think it was honestly... uh, I don't think it's as malicious as people make it out to be in some ways. I just think it's a kind of a look at me, look how smart I am. I'm going to dig, you know, at the guy, the black guy that I don't really like that much. And the truth of the matter is if he wasn't black and he was, um, uh, you know, Spanish or, or something else, he probably would have come up with a different (laughs) slur to use. Um, Yeah. But more than that, I think, to me, I try to look at the big picture all the time instead of just looking at, at okay, this is bad. You know, this is this is nothing really. It's not really to me. And I know what you're coming from, and you're saying is, um, you know, you hope that hey, it is a positive that something was done. Which, of course, in this business, you know, a lot of times nothing gets done <laughs> for years. But um, I think what it, it really stems from. And this is more of the segment of people and, you know, the undercurrent of, you know, hey, well, people are just too sensitive and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> no one's calling you a name. So it's like I, I've, like, I don't even like talking about this. And I certainly don't like having, you, I'm not going to use you as a prop. You know, oh Barry's, you know Barry's a, a black guy, so you know we're going to talk about diversity. No, that's not that's not it. Um, I had a show a couple months back with um, uh, Roberto, who who's doing oh, all the, yeah, the Spanish language stuff and, and talking about how a business with a huge, huge uh, percentage of, of workers that are Spanish. Um, that that's popular in, in in places like Southern California, and um, in Texas and and uh, South Florida, where there's a huge Spanish population. How how we we barely acknowledge their existence, and how uh, short-sighted it is, and and how racing doesn't learn from its mistakes, and racing is very white, it's very old, and in some ways, old white guys don't like to change. And and I've said this in a different arena, but uh, when you hire old guys, you can't expect new ideas. And racing has that problem of a lot of our decision makers, a lot of our quote-unquote movers and shakers are older people. And they tend to want to be... Um, they tend to be more um, insular and, and and be more with the people that they want to be with Uh, people that look like them, people that talk like them, people have common experience like them. And you can't expand your horizons in that, in that manner, you you know? And I think that, that people um, of color, that women, um, you know, something other than older white guys. And that's what I am. I'm an old white guy, basically. So I think that uh, that we would be better served in trying to not not to fill quotas or anything like that, but to try to bring new voices and new visions and new life experiences. Because how better to, to find a new market to expand to than to understand it by having someone that is in that demographic. Instead of having someone explain to you um, why they think that that demographic might be better, have someone from the demographic explain it to you directly.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. Um, you know, like you said, it, it, it's time. You know, it, it's almost to the point where the sport is has their backs against the wall, and what they're doing and rehashing everything they've done since you know the 30s and 40s all the way up to now isn't going to work and that that's kind of where I was going with the the changing of the guard kind of where you know society's different than it was you know 10 years ago let alone 50 years ago um and and it just seems like it's it's that time for for racing to, to step up. I mean, and, and I'm not just talking about the race thing. That's part of it. And that's probably a smaller part of it. I mean, in general, just every facet of the business has to change. Um, it's obviously going to be painful because the ones that are in charge are, are, are not so willing to do that because for whatever reason, they think that formula works. And it did for a long time. Yeah, but, but you know what? Business
0: salt will need to change. It, it worked for a long time <laughs> because we have a monopoly in gambling. <laughs> that is true. I mean, it, it was roll out the balls. You know, it, it wasn't, uh, it, there was no competition. And now we, we face fierce competition, smarter competition, more well funded competition. And yet we, we spend most of our time arguing about bullshit like Lasix. It's, it's still, still. And it's it's just, um, you know, Tom Van Meter said some stupid stuff. And that was, what, seven, eight months ago? And, yeah. And everybody then and you don't preached need. and said, uh, you know, they, they tried it out. Uh, you know, oh, look, here, here, here's here, here, we, we got a black guy working for us. Uh, We got a woman, well, Keeneland Keeneland made a woman the the CEO, like, so uh, we're good now, you know. And, like, all the things, all the happenings, all the change, and nothing happens. It's the same old, same old. And it's frustrating because um, I think it it sheds light on the way this business does business. So when you see they give lip service to diversity. Well, they give lip service to lots of things. They give lip service to better. They give <laughs> lip service to horsemen. They give lip service to each other. And it, it's um, it, it, it's depressing in some ways. And, and it's frustrating because I've said this a million times. Don't ask the guys that are successful about changing the business. They're, they're doing well now. Why would they want to change? Even if it's the end of the business it's not going to be the end of the business next week or next year. It'll be years, right? It'll hold on years. It's not going to just go away tomorrow. So none of the people that are really movers or shakers in the business are 20 years old anyways. So it's, it's like you get the same voices and everybody kind of appeases everybody and nobody wants to piss anybody off and no one wants to say anything and and it's not that hard. It's not that hard. There's, there's lots of young, talented people out there that have ideas and want to be involved in racing and are enthusiastic about it. Because believe me, uh, when I first started in this business, I, I was wildly enthusiastic. I was young. <laughs> too. But um, my first job on non backstretch job was uh, was working as assistant racing secretary at Yonkers the Harness Track. And this was 1989, 1990. And I think it was 1990. We went in the summertime. We were running eight cards a week. Eight. Seven nights and twice on Tuesdays. I mean, we worked and worked and worked and, and I loved it. And I couldn't get enough of it. And you know, we, we came up with new ideas and we tried different things and, you know, consumed by it. And I don't have that same energy today. I just don't. And part of that is, is being younger, being youthful and, and um, not being quite beaten down <laughs> by the, the the naysayers that, that are going to tell you that nothing's going to work, which is what I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of things. So I'll check. That won't work. I'm adamant about the conditioning, uh, not the conditioner, but the conditions of races changing what we're doing because what we're doing sucks. And you see it all over the place. Shorter fields. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for turf racing, if some of these tracks lost turf for a month, two months because of uh, whatever happened, (laughs) it, it would be brutal. And we're not seeing a bounce back in the full crop. We're not seeing a bounce back in the interest of, um, of owners getting back in the business or, or owners expanding except at the very tippy top. And those horses all go to the same people anyways. So they they don't, they don't help. It doesn't help when they go to the big barns, you're not going to increase your field size because those guys aren't going to have the variety of horses that's needed to fit to, to increase field size you can't just increase field size in in this condition or in that condition and it's um it's tough because it's you have to remember a lot of horsemen are not um horsemen are are, are really maybe the biggest curmudgeons of all in that they, they've been <laughs> they've learned how to do something and and uh they understand things to a degree. They understand claiming races. They understand allowance races. They understand maiden races. So, when you ask them to move to a, a different system, it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of uh, cajoling and it's going to take a lot of, of uh, you know, tweaks because it's not going to be perfect from day one. But no one wants to even talk about it. And that, and that makes me crazy because what we're doing is not really working. You know, Gulfstream's had three racing secretaries in four years. It's not the guys. It's you know, it's, it's the not system. The um we keep changing people at the top, but it's it's not that. It it it's the system is is you
1: know. Well I mean that's an a testament to not understanding your business I mean if you get three people there in four years it it can't be the person you know unless you just get people that are totally clueless which I, I, I'm i giving them the benefit of the no doubt they're, they're they not but, but,
0: but two of them were um, older guys from kind of a, a little bit of a past era and uh, they have a younger guy in now but there's only so much he can do he's just getting his feet wet he can't just like, okay, today we're going to totally revamp everything. It, it, it's got to be a group effort. It's got to be supported from the top down. It's got to be supported by a horseman. And I, I'm just using this one example. Um, and, and, like, down here we're, we're kind of on an island. But, like, if you were going to do something like this up in the northeast, you would have to get Mammoth and Laurel and uh, Philly Park or Parks, whatever it's called, um, even to an extent Naira. You'd have to have an agreement that, that you guys would all – take a shot at doing this but it would help but so much of this business well i mean at this see... point what what does anybody have to do well that's the thing like everybody a... you know what it is everybody everybody circles the wagons you know they circle their own wagons and they fight for what they have and a guy made a great point um to me maybe a year ago he said racing is doomed he said they, they don't even see the enemy the enemy isn't the other racetrack you guys are all on, on the same side. The enemy is is sports betting. <laughs> that's the enemy. He goes, that's a bigger <laughs> enemy than, than, than slots. Slots aren't your players. Slots are what, 5% of your players? Your, 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 horse racing is, is, a, is a mental exercise. Slots is, is is not. And But sports betting, a lot of your players are familiar with sports. They grew up with sports. A lot of them were betting on sports before it was legal. But they weren't able to bet the the way they are able to bet now. It, you see some of these guys betting these parlays, right? And, and they're getting oh, yeah. ridiculous odds. I mean, of course, it's not easy to hit. But you're getting 150000 to $1 <laughs> on some of these tickets. And... Your local bookmaker wasn't giving you that. He was giving you the over-under. He was giving you the line. And, and, and maybe that, you know, give you a second half lines. And that was it. And and you were betting, uh, you know, you, you were betting on a 10% line or, or 5% line. And now that, you know, you're betting 110 to make 100. But not not the way it is now. Now they have all kinds of wagers, and all kinds of things that they can offer. And you can bet a little and make a lot. And. When you have smart people in this business start to look at um, some of these jackpot wagers and the, these uh, the pick fives and pick sixes that seem to get hit by the same people all the time, you yep. almost wonder, like, how long till they give up, too. And, and that's, that's what I worry about, that, that we're, not, we're not changing, like, we're, we're just staying the same. Uh, even the Pegasus, right? Like, these fields are, are not great. And it's not Gulfstream's fault that the older horses suck. And they do. They suck. They sucked all last year. And that's why Tom's the Tot was able to win. That's why, uh, what's his name? Uh, the horse, the uh, probably the older horse of the year. Um, not horse of the year, the older horse. Uh, the one to Bafford trained. Uh, improbable. Improbable, yeah. There was just nobody out there.
1: Someone's right, gonna lose he, wasn't, the race. he wasn't really good.
0: <laughs> he was okay. But no, he wasn't exactly. But th- that's remarkable. the thing is, is the older horse division is weak. You see a million horses retire every year and it's not going to get stronger like that. And when you don't have a star, the Pegasus is going to be like we said a better betting race, but it's a $3 million purse. And if that purse was a hundred thousand or one million, you'd probably get pretty much the same field. So, the turf isn't is not a strong field either, and 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 it's not exactly there. F- You're back. I am. That was kind of weird.
1: That was very weird.
0: What I was saying though was that the Pegasus has to change because. It's in a spot. The Saudis came in and jumped right in the middle between uh, the Pegasus and the Dubai World Cup and they put up $20 million. They're not going to match $20 million. They're not going to match $10 million. Um, I mean, the $4 million in purses is is not put up... It it doesn't come from the purse fund. That comes from Belinda Stronach. She puts that money up for these races. And I think, from her point of view, this is more of a party um, a show place feels show like days kind of thing, but I don't know I mean this is of course a guess, but it doesn't seem like they can not take a bath um financially on on those races or on the day um unless the betting is is like astronomically high and I, I don't I, I don't believe it can get it high enough to to not lose money on it and you know if it's a loss leader and it, it's an event and um, it, it provides a lot of uh, exposure in, in the market and all that you know that's fine it's not my money but they need to change and what I would do is I would have, a, I, why have two Pegasus races when you can have six? Right? What about a Pegasus? Right, you can
1: have a sprint? mini mini Bearder's Cup kind of deal.
0: What, what about a Pegasus Sprint? What about a Pegasus Turf Sprint? What about a Pegasus Phillies and Marys Turf? Um, have five or six races. If you're going to give $3 million to the <clears throat> to the field that you're giving it, give, give a million and a half. You're going to get the same field. And we couldn't even get i say we like you know like i'm a part of it but like we like as an industry we couldn't even get keep any of these stallions that were going to stud that that retired quote unquote sound from giving it one more shot uh global campaign i mean you would have had to give him a shot in this race um so if we're not if they're not going to give it a shot of three million then why not take the money and distribute it over five or six races, Uh, seed a pick six pool, Um, you know, come up with some, some ideas that, that at least try. And I think that that's one of the things that, that the business, um, we get stuck in tradition sometimes. And obviously this is not a very long tradition, but oh, we've always done it that way. Well, you know, that's not – the NFL used to have, uh, you know, one round of playoffs in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so <laughs> things, things have changed. Everything has changed. And uh, like the NBA this year, they're using the play-in format. So the teams that finish uh, 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th, are going to play a, a, a little round-robin tournament to see who the last two teams in are on the playoffs. And let's face it, the, the, t- the two teams that get in – Um, the last two teams in the playoffs, they have no shot to really win the title or anything, but it adds some, some intrigue in it. And it gives the people in these, uh, these eight cities, something else to watch. It's kind of a, 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 a playoff game before the playoffs and it's different. And yes, the Pegasus was a good idea at the time and it was kind of a unique idea, but everything has changed. And that's that's part of it. Is the Saudis? Part of it is we don't have any star horses um, that have uh, wanted to run it the last two years. I mean, this year there literally is no star horses. Well, I can tell you one thing. I know last year
1: the undercard was pretty damn good in comparison to the big race. Sure, and that's um, not,
0: and it's likely to be the same this year. You're going to get yeah. a good card. I mean, yeah. listen, this is South Florida. There's a ton of good horses here. There's a ton of good horses here. And racing five days a week, it does dilute it somewhat. And I know people kind of chuckle, oh, championship meat. But look at Saratoga. They run some abysmal races at Saratoga. That's Sarah freaking Tolga. And they're only going five days a week. And they write some terrible. Word. It's just the way it is. Our full crops are nineteen thousand. It's not fifty thousand. We don't have the horses. We don't have the numbers. Um, so I, I get under. You know, I understand people when they see 62 fives and you know, some of these cheaper races. Yeah, I, I don't.
1: I, I I never understood the knock on that.
0: I like those kind of races personally. Well, betting betting wise, certainly they're you know listen. If you're betting races, whatever you, you win on those races are, are there's always going to be value, regardless of the class, of course. <laughs> but but you know they call it a quote unquote championship meet, and it's really not a championship meet. The championship of what? The winter? I mean, well, where's yes, the, you know, like where's the yes. championship? There is no championship. It's a, it's, a, it's a marketing phrase. It's like when people said, oh well, the Breeders' Cup isn't really the world championship. It's a, it's a marketing phrase. It's it's not. Uh, you know it's it's not an actual declaration that these are the champions of the world because no japanese horses ever run it um uh, you know the, no no south american horses ever run it. I, I should say never but very rarely do they run in it we we, we never get australian horses running it we don't get a horse from hong kong so yeah it, it's not really a world championship but that's what it's called so I would like to see some some kind of expansion of of the Pegasus idea. Yeah, that that's Why, a when, really good you know, idea. If you, if you if you can have one Pegasus, then you can have two Pegasus. Why can't you have four, or five, or six?
1: Right, and and, and it could, be, like I said, become a, a like a mini Breeders' Cup because you know the timing's there um, for a lot of those horses to run back. the The purse would be good enough for them to to attract them to come um especially if you know if it was a, a sprint like a dirt sprint or you know those are those are the, the good kind of races that, that people are trying to look to run in
0: well think about turf sprinters there's really not that many no premier turf sprint races period they got a grade um, one <laughs> sprinters too, too well and, and and yeah you know we'll have to work on the grading and then and, and, but but that 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 comes with time and and uh like the Sunshine Millions was a great idea when they first started it. And they would fly horses to California, horses to California versus Florida and have to race me out there and have to race me here. And, you know, they, uh, Mr. Stronic provided, uh, you know, flight transportation and costs for, for everybody to, to go. And it, it was good for a while, but it just wanted to cost him too much money. But when it was on, and, and of course he was paying to have it on TV, it was great betting races. It was interesting races. It was kind of unique. It was different. And I think that that's the kind of innovation, even if it doesn't work, that we need to try. We need to try. I I, I just, uh, I just would like to see more. And I know it's tough earlier in the year and a lot of horses kind of point for the breeder's cup and maybe get a little time off after that, but
1: yeah, but they're down here anyway.
0: But you know, I think you could bump it later in the season. So what? You, you run the same weekend as, as the Saudi race. You're not getting any horses
1: right. running exactly. in both
0: those races,
1: right? They're, they're, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many American horses ran last year in the Saudi. You know, those that, that one two, day. Right. It wasn't, three. It, it couldn't have been that many. So it's not really a deterrent, or you know. Or taking away from it because
0: you probably weren't going to get those horses anyway. That's what I mean. It, it, no one's running. I, I was laughing. I was talking about. Um, I was talking about John Henry. A couple of weeks back, and I said it's funny. John Henry would probably make fifty million dollars <laughs> <laughs> if we could beam him from from uh, um, his time in the late '80s to now. <laughs> of course just by like... he he,
1: he would have ran more than everybody else which meant he's
0: gonna win more than anybody else yeah like oh so there's a month between races well he would run in the pegasus then the saudi race then the dubai world cup and then he come back and probably run in the um the met mile <laughs> i mean nothing fazed the horse it was he was of course you know like i said they don't make horses like that anymore but uh I mean no one's running in 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 all three of these races. No one's running in two of these races for the most part. So
1: yeah, so Mucho maybe Gusto it's time did to, didn't he last year. To, who? Mucho Gusto didn't he run in in, uh, in Dubai, right?
0: I don't think he ran any good. No, he didn't.
1: Any... He didn't run he didn't and That run was any it good. for him. Yeah, he didn't he didn't run any good. But I I I want to say he went to Dubai after the Pegasus. Yeah. He might have
0: but, but he um, didn't do anything. It was. It's a rarity. It's just a rarity to see, and, and racing needs ideas. It needs new ideas. It needs even if, like I said, even if they don't work, and not stupid stuff like, um, like roulette, roulette That was just a ridiculous <laughs> idea. I don't, I don't know who, who man. Who, somebody who did a hell of a
1: sell job on that one, cause But I... I mean, that was
0: doomed from the start. That was, that was not. That's not what we're talking about. Talking about actual ideas that have a chance, not something to draw in people that are going to supposedly bet five dollars to win on horses.
1: Nothing wrong with
0: having fans and people like that, but but let's not, you know, make. But let's spend our money a little more prudently. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the original premise, and I remember. Not knowing anything about it, the Caribbean Classic. When they first said they were going to run it at Gulfstream on a Saturday, I thought they were nuts.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, "You're going to bring horses from all these 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 countries that people here have no familiarity with at all. They don't know the horses. They they barely know the breeding. They don't know the jockeys. Um, they don't know the the trainers." And you're going to run a whole card of these races at Gulfstream on a Saturday in the winter? It seemed like preposterous almost. Until you see the crowd. (laughs) And then when the event came, and I guess this is kind of what I mean by diversity. In that I wasn't exposed to those races. I, I don't read Spanish well enough to really read much about them or or watch them and i had no idea how many people would show up for the races and that they would be the handle was was strong far stronger i thought they'd do three million on the, the day and they did i think the last year they had it because they have they didn't have it this year because of uh, the covid issues but it was like um um $14 million with 12, million, something like that, like, like a crazy number. And that just goes to show you, uh, I, I wasn't familiar with the, 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 uh, the event because I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't speak or read Spanish well enough. And it turns out it, it's a, it's a huge, it's a great day. I mean, it's, it's a big day. Uh, and I believe the track did really well on, on the day um and i think that that's a perfect example of how you know different cultures different people different um ideas could be beneficial for horse racing and, and uh as opposed to you know tradition i i think tradition in racing is is, is over The Outside of maybe the Triple Crown races. And, you know, remember when they were going to move the Belmont or they moved the Belmont this year and everybody freaked out and we had to hear about tradition and this and that. And, uh, and you know, my constant theme was, what about the other 412 traditions that this business has just that are home <laughs> by the wayside? Why is the Belmont a sacred cow? Why is a mile and a half a sacred cow? Why, Why? you know, like, like what, what is it about the Belmont that's so great? I mean, I like the Belmont. It's triple crown race. It's the end of the you know, it's a great race. when some of the all time great races have been Belmonts. But I mean, to move it this year and to change the distance was because of a pandemic, you know. And in the face of a pandemic, if we can't change things because the traditionalists, what about everything else that that everything that's been changed? So, so that's sometimes I think we get stuck in in the. Um, well, we've always done it that way, mode. And you know. man, that that's something that'll kill a business every
1: time. Yeah. We we're, we've always done it that way, and and that's just terrible, short sighted thinking. You know, you, you want to be in this for the long game. You don't want to be in it for the short. And those kind of traditions, or you know, things that people get really, you know. It touches a nerve with with some people when you talk about making changes to to some things that have been a certain way for however long um but that that's going to kill this business because it, it just means that there's lack of change there's lack of vision to to do something different that can help and and we need more of that not more tradition <laughs>
0: I did the HRN shows, race day show, um, the last two uh, Thursdays and Fridays with Bobby Newman, the ex-Colder announcer, who uh, who was my college roommate. And the other day at Aqueduct, and the format is, is pretty simple. I cover three racetracks, kind of give a brief preview, make a selection, listen to the race, and, uh, and recap it. Well, there was a race at Aqueduct. I liked the horse, um, the two horse, <laughs> the two horse, uh, lightly raced horse, showing a little bit of speed. A second start, and next start, kind of got bumped around, but made a decent close. And I can't remember it was changing, maybe an equipment. I can't remember what it was, but I thought the horse was solid at six, seven, eight to one. As it turns out, the horse just trailed, but wasn't like trail like. Just was last by 10 lengths. The horse was like 25 lengths behind the entire race and didn't break bad, just never got into the race. Um, And I thought to myself, it's kind of aggravating to me that no one's going to report on that horse. No one's going to tell me and believe me, uh, you know, the few dollars I bet on the horse, it's not like it's the, the end of the world. But we need to have a reporting system where in the steward's notes for the day or, or if there's a, a, a recap uh, that, that's published or posted somewhere, when horses go wrong, when horses like that just don't even like, get involved in the race, that the jockeys interviewed, the trainers interviewed. Or, and it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. It could be the steward calling up and say, hey, what was going on there? Uh, the jack might said, oh, listen, the horse, the, the the rain was, I thought the rain was broke or the bridle broke or the horse uh, stumbled a little bit. And I think he was, you know, he felt off in his right front. And then he called the trainer and, and get an explanation so that the people that bet on the horse or the people that watch the race can get an explanation as to what happened. You know, if- uh, you, you, could you could you imagine if... if um, during a, a football game, um, the quarterback left the game, and, and nobody said anything. Room <laughs> and nobody said anything about it. Right? Just he was just gone. Oh, thirsty. And when asked about it, it was well, you know, it's private.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. It's funny you say that because I, I was actually prepping to do uh, another podcast. Um, what? I know I was cheating on you. Um <laughs> we have an open podcast relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and I was uh I was asked to to take a look at the big race, the, I think it was called the Queen's Plate, I want to say, over at Kenilworth in South Africa. Right. And I was looking at the PPs and I was, you know, kind of searching around the internet looking for any kind of information, free information that I didn't have to buy, just to see what I could find. And there's a ton of it. And the one thing that stood out was what you were just talking about, where they had stewards notes on all the horses from their last race. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Because the, I, I don't know if you looked at those PPs, but they're little they're, they're kind of strange. They don't really give you a lot of information. Um, but what's attached to them, a lot of them are the race replays, which is super helpful. Right. Um, but things like that, you know, um, you know, we're stuck in the, the that same thing, that the tradition, we have these, these past performances with these lines, but we can't get a free video. You got to go searching for it somewhere else. And, you know, that kind of thing to make it easier for people to want to play and it, it just seems lost just on the whole business here in america when other places are doing those kind of things it, it wouldn't be like this massive undertaking no they have they have the material they have the you know just basic pps and a replay
0: it's more than enough just just the you know i just would like sometimes an explanation Right, and and be like, That's hey, all. you know, like, a, when a horse, horse just, runs, he broke bad. When a horse runs, or or the favorite stops in a race, real bad. Oh man, um, especially now that we're we're getting to the point where um, it's so confusing with the Lasix use now, and you see horses coming off Lasix, you see horses going on Lasix, and all of a sudden it's become like this giant handicapping. You know, factor again because there's so much coming on, coming off, and if a horse without LASIK stops in a race, everyone's natural inclination is going to be to believe that the horse bled. Right, right. You're going to think, "Wow!" But and that may not be the case. But how can we find this out? And I don't, I don't know that. uh, I know that there'll be horsemen that will not want that information readily available. Why? Because it'll be used against them. As far as it'll be used against, them. as far as horse would be less likely to be claimed, um, if the horse does the same thing the next race, you'll have people on the internet saying, you know, this guy is a butcher and the horse is bleeding and this and that. Uh, if it's just conjecture, it's one thing, but if if you actually know, it's another thing. But if, if we're gonna if we're gonna live in this this bizarre, you know lasix six is the worst thing in the world. We can't use it in stakes, but we can use it in these races, and you can't use it as two year olds. Like, oh, I know that they're not going to set a system up where everyone gets scoped after every race and, and it's reported. I know that. I'm not, I mean, it would be great if it, it happened, but. It's another. It's another. It's just another reason why a handicap system of some sort of rating system would be a better way of classifying our horses, where you wouldn't have to worry about getting claimed and, and things like that. Um, Don't they use and, and overseas? And still have claiming race. Don't they use it overseas uh, between starts? Of course, uh, in training and um, of course they, they use it. It's, it's
1: they just have to come off it before you know within the rule forty-eight hours yeah. generally. Yeah, and
0: and it's not a day. It's not people take it daily. This was one of the the, the you know people say, "Wow, it leeches calcium." Well, you know the horse runs five six times a year. The horses just get it for when they run. It's not leaching calcium. Please, <laughs> um, people it leeches calcium from their systems because people on Lasix well are number one generally old, and number two uh, have health issues. Number three they take it every day. It's a daily. It, it, it's, a, it's a, you know, it dehydrates them somewhat. People say, Oh, well dehydration it dehydrates the horse. Well, so does running. So does humidity. <laughs> so does virtually everything. Dehydration is not one of the great problems on, uh, on the backside. It's not, it's not an issue that we haven't been able to overcome. It's, it's, you know, you, you get electrolyte imbalances in horses called the thumps, but that's mostly because of hot weather. Um, and horses live outside. Even the stalls, they're outside. They're not in air-conditioned, climate-controlled places. So down in, like, here in South Florida in the summertime, it's hot all the time. And it's humid all the time. So, I mean, I've, I've had horses get heat stroke after galloping. But no Lasix, no nothing. So it, it's, it's just, um, it's just another variable It's added and there's no easy way of, of solving that issue other than to just literally call people, text people, email people after an incident or after a performance that's a little bit um, uh, off or e- even the horse that, that, that runs really well, the you know, horse. Uh, had a couple mediocre races, then all of a sudden, bang, wins by 12 lengths, runs a 94 buyer, and then runs 65s. It would be nice to find out from the trainer what, what the difference was. And he might say, I have no idea. We've done everything the same. But he might say, well, you know, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this. It just seems as though um more information would be better, especially at the very least. We can start with, um, you know, odd performances like, uh, like the case I brought up where a horse just, yeah. literally got 20 lengths behind
1: uh, and just like stayed. There. I think that happened a, a few years ago at Gulfstream when Irish War Cry just didn't show up, yeah. And I think he, I he think had to, yeah, we were there that day, um, yeah, yeah, and and he's just tired, he just. Didn't have it, and and I and I want to say, Graham Motion said the same thing. He's just he's just tired. He just for whatever reason was was hot, and that was that.
0: And for the most part, we find out things about stakes horses, yes, because reporters will call up and say, you know, what happened. Um, But it's 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 you know, stakes horses, stake races make up a very very small portion of our races, so. I just think that there's there's ways of um, of, of attacking this. I think it's bizarre. There, there's a couple two things that really i am surprised because one thing about betters, um, they're cynical, and they complain a lot. <laughs> and that's not to say that a lot of their complaints aren't right. Some of them are. But what I never understood was why New York is the only jurisdiction. That requires people to declare bar shoes or pads. The only one, as far as I know, uh, and and no one complains about that, which is crazy to me. That uh, if a horse puts a bar shoe yeah, on, that's, New York, that's it, it's Man, <laughs> it's considered a, a negative factor, but horses put bar shoes on a lot of other places. No one even knows, especially with with uh, people not being at the track. You you, you know you can't even see it yourself i mean most people wouldn't know what to look for but but um that's one of the first lessons. that that only struck me as odd that new york was the only place that required that because that wouldn't be a, a real difficult thing. i mean you wouldn't even if you didn't um require it at entry even if it was kind of a, a an equipment change day of the race equipment change uh has to be you know p- declared by 11 a.m or something like that but um I just think that that would be that would be useful information. That's one of the first and, lessons I learned at the track, I was looking at the shoe board. Yeah, right. And uh, that that it baffles me that no one says anything about that. The other thing is is the turf courses at Goldstream. How there's essentially two oh, turf two, courses Yeah. Course <laughs> and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There, there's two courses there, more or less. There's an inside and an outside, and you know they're always moving the 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 lanes. To try to keep the damage done uh you know kind of make sure the whole course is damaged instead of just a couple of lines <laughs> but there's no real way of uh of noting that as far as i know i don't know if any i mean there's more than one just set of pps in the old days we had um, we just had the drf and now there's a lot more you know pps available time form U.S., uh, Briss, uh, there, there's, you know, there's there's some other ones as well, but um, I don't know if there's any designation to note that if it was on the inner side, you know, if, it's, if it was on the inner course or the outer course, and and no one said anything about that. Which, don't they do that at Laurel too? I think so. Yeah, there's no
1: designation and, and I always thought that was bizarre. I was like, wait, there's two turf courses here. I think it's more bizarre that no one says anything about it. Yeah, I, I, I have yet to hear anybody complain, which is amazing because, like you said, horse players complain constantly.
0: Yeah, and like I said, not that they're always wrong because no. a lot of times they're they're, they're right, but but um, people wanting you know the medical records for the horses, and I, I, that's just people have number one. The collection of that data and the dissemination of it accurately is going to be a really costly thing. And I don't know how they would do it. I don't know. um, The track's not going to pay for that voluntarily. I I can guarantee you that no track is going to voluntarily pay for that information. And that's even if it's if it's 100 legal, which I don't know if it's legal to require. That. I, I don't know. There's so many ways of getting around things, and um, you know, house rules or, or, or whatever. But uh, like that that's that's one of the things that I'm kind of skeptical about because I just don't think most of that information is really valuable. I just don't think it is, and I know way more about horses and medication and vets and, and then 99.9% of people in the world and most of the stuff is just kind of mundane stuff and I think some of it will, could actually be throw you off right too you're, much you're information too worried yeah you're too worried that two weeks ago the horse got three days of antibiotics oh my god was he sick uh, you know <laughs> was that enough is he recovered blah 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 and, Horse plays are, you know, what
1: neurotic you, as it is, they don't need any more who, 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 help.
0: <laughs> you, you train horses, you do it to yourself. You, you <laughs> second guess yourself all the time. You know, should I give this horse another week? Should I do this? Should I do that? I mean, you know, is, is he is he going better? Is he going worse? Is um, you know, we tied up the other day. Is is that a sign of something else, or is that just you know bad luck? It was a, did she get stirred up? Or I mean, there's a million things and. I think some of the information can just become overload where it's just not pertinent and spending a ton of money for information that really won't be pertinent. I would much rather have stewards reports. Um, I would much rather have, um, you know, post rates vet reports, um, things like that. I think that that's a lot, that a lot more valuable information than, you know, finding out if this horse got a a shot of banamine before his, uh, you know, work three weeks ago, just not that, just not that, uh, just not that useful. No, especially now, now that uh, all the the treatments are getting pushed further and further away from race day, which is, which is another factor Um, that used to be able to do stuff really close to race day. Now it's, it's, in some ways, uh, two or three weeks away. So stuff you used to do the week of the race, which is probably beneficial in the long run, but it makes the information less valuable too. So, but, uh, that's just how I feel. And I just think that we need to, uh, we need to try, try more, try harder. And I I just think that people that are waiting for this government, federal government intervention type of deal, they're going to be, if you think that's the savior, you're going to be very, very, very disappointed. Very disappointed. It's just not so. It's not, uh, there's not some king in an iron clad uh, suit of armor that's got a white horse by Tappet that he's going to ride in and, and cut off the heads of the, the, the guys you don't like. Tappet might bite you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of shows you to, well, at least to me kind of the out of touchness of some of the people in our business that whip regulation is part of the federal um, plan and, and having them, you know, do safety checks on the track, which they'll do, like... And not, not that any of these are bad ideas. They just don't need federal intervention for them. And, and, and um, you know, the, the drug testing, which is mostly going to be done by the same laboratories that are doing it currently. It's not a thing that people are misunderstood. It's not going to be like some supersonic new uh, <laughs> special drug lab. The USADA has never tested an animal ever. They don't even have any expertise in testing animals. So it's all new to them as well. They don't have uh, a lab that can handle the volume of, of um, testing that, that's going to be uh, needed. Think about a, an Olympic team. Remember, like, like you, you watched the opening ceremonies of the Olympic team, right? And they march in, right? Everybody marches in to have the thing. All the countries bring their flag, you know, march in. Like when the Olympic team for the US marches in what what's a couple hundred people, right? That's the USADA's people. That's who they're monitor. <laughs>
1: that
0: that's like a weekend of racing at one track. At one track. Let alone 20 tracks. Seven days a week. 364 days a year. So it, it's a different ball game. It's totally different. It's not a dictator. There's not going to be like a dictator that comes in. We're going to have panels. We're going to have panels of people that don't know what they're doing. Intentionally, they've intentionally injected people into this process that don't have any racing experience. Yeah, that's dangerous to me. So, so they're going to get. They're going to be wildly biased because. They're going to get their information from somewhere, right? They can't just go in and not know anything. At least you wouldn't. You would hope that they would take the time to educate themselves in some way, shape, or form. And they're going to be they're going to be swayed by whoever it is that, that educates them. So I already kind of figured out like who I think is going to be the people <laughs> that are telling them what's what. So sometimes a, an impartial uh, observer isn't really as impartial as you think they are because, like I said, they have to be educated by someone, by some group, by some form in order to be able to form rational opinions about about whatever topic it is. So I, I just think that people, you can't just sit back and think, oh, well, the feds are coming, everything's going to be great. It's not. The subtle issues that you see uh, as as a long time participant in the business, whether you're a trainer or owner or gambler or um, a jockey or 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 all of the above, or, they're not going to see him because they don't know what they're doing.
1: How how Barry, long is that supposed to take?
0: Like when is this supposed to take effect? Like a year and a half, Barry. We we don't even know what the budget is, and supposedly the people in the know know. But when things aren't made public, it makes you believe that that there's a reason that it's not right. being made public because pe- that they, they, they don't want to scare everybody. Because if you knew what the budget was going to be, why wouldn't you make the announcement? Why wouldn't you say it's going to be $25 million? It's going to be $30 million. It's going to be $40 million. And then say, all right, this is the revenue sources. We have to figure out how we're going to fund this. I mean, the way they've done it is almost a bizarre fashion in that it's a state by state mandate. So different States are going to fund it differently, which by itself, I mean, the whole object of some of this stuff was to get rid of the States. Right. But the States are still going to be regulatory bodies are still going to um the, the the federal law has nothing to do with like stewards' decisions, uh, taking horses down, uh state licenses, things of that nature. That's nothing to do with it. So we still have to deal with state um racing commissions and regulatory bodies. I, I just think people are, are 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 naive to think that uniformity for drug regulations means like you're gonna see much of a change. You're not. It's it's the same. It's basically making it easier on, on a trainer not to have to to know seventeen different states' regulations. But that's just an inconvenience for trainers. It's a pain in the ass. But changing that's not gonna make racing like all of a sudden better. It's just not. And hopefully there's some way, some some uh, investigative force involved here, but I, I can't. I can't find it in the bill. Maybe I'm not reading it right. It's a million pages long, but I just wonder. I just wonder how much is it going to cost, and if it's just a bunch of redundancies. Except we got rid of ASICs. I told a guy. I, uh, a friend of mine called me yesterday. He's a breeder. He was kind of giving me an update on some things and uh, some old horses of mine. And just, you know, kind of a courtesy call. And I said, you know, you're going to have to be licensed. He's like, what? Uh, said, yeah, wait, what? You're, you're a breeder. He's like, you're a breeder. Whoa. I said, yeah, you're going to have to be according to the federal bill. Everyone has anything to do with raising a horse or, or I think sales participants, I think uh, uh, breeders, they all have to be licensed now. And I know licensing is a gigantic pain in the ass. <laughs> it, it's it's a massive pain in the ass. Um, and if you're going to add a ton of people to that, to that list, and it seems now like we're going to have to get state licenses when we go to different places like we do currently, but now you're going to add a federal license to the mix. Just more money spent. And, and what is licensing breeders? They're doing it so they can have some sort of control over them. But I, I don't know what the point is. Right. But because I don't get it either. If you license a breeder, then you're going to have tons of people now, not currently licensed. And yes, yeah, some breeders are are licensed owners and they they race their horses. But a lot of them aren't. And... I just know that uh, you're going to spend time chasing those that don't renew their license. That don't uh, take care of their business because it happens in racing all the time. I just kind of... I just think that people's enthusiasm for it is just misguided. And I don't want to be like the, the purveyor of doom all the time but I don't think they really understand what this bill's all about. And I don't think they I, I don't think a lot of them understand what the issues are. They really don't. They they they, they think they know, but they really don't and, and it's not gonna it's not gonna adjust it's not gonna do this. The the FBI is not part of this this equation. We're not gonna have FBI investigating things, at least as far as it reads.
1: Well, sometimes you know you know, I, I see people who are talking about it in a in a positive light. I just sometimes wonder what their motivation is behind it. Um, because it's, it you know, just just for the people that have been coming out saying, hey, this is going to be a good thing. It's like, well, I, I can't trust your motivations on this one because of where you're at in the business and what you do.
0: And, and I don't know how you can make a judgment on the thing until you know. Right how it's going to be paid for and until there's actual parameters set until we actually know uh, what right now it's almost the craziest thing. It's like they passed the bill and now they're going to try to figure it out because there's, there's one thing about horse racing is we need exactness in this sport. Whenever there's things where discretion is used, like stewards decisions, it's always a giant mess it's always a giant mess. And I, I just would rather see some, and, and I, I get that uh, in some cases, exactness is not what you want. You don't want some rules to be rigid because you wind up uh, the unintended consequences of, of, of making um, you know minor violations, the major violations. But I just don't know why people think, I, I, to me, it's baffling that people think LASIK is a big issue. Like getting rid of Lasix is going to make things better. Get over it. The breed is not going to change. This nonsense about the breed is going to change. The breed is not going to change. Every single filly that's well-bred is getting bred. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter if they bleed buckets. <laughs> they're getting bread. Period. It's going to happen. So half the population. Well, I shouldn't say half the population. Um, Stallions can only cover once the 140 rule Uh, full rule is in effect. Stallions will be covering 150, 175, 180 mares, whatever, because no stallion gets 100% in full. But the mares are the issue, not the stallions, the mares. How are you going to keep a mare? The theory of no LASIKs, will prevent a bad bleeder from competing at a high enough level that they won't become stallions but the problem is that there's no way of of doing that for fillies because fillies can be bred if they never even race if they never even get to the races, if, they're, if they perform poorly, it's more based on pedigree than anything. So you're not taking those horses out of the quote-unquote gene pool. So how, how are you going to wash it out? You can't. There's no way of identifying what a, who, who bleeds and who right. doesn't. It's impossible. And the fact is, at some point, most of them will bleed. And it might not be a bad bleeding episode. It might not be the end of the world. Sometimes it might happen and maybe you didn't even scope them and you don't even know. It's not like every horse that bleeds suddenly becomes like um, one step from death. That's not true, but chronic bleeding gets worse and there's a lot of assorted health issues with it. it's internal hemorrhaging. It just, it's internal hemorrhaging (laughs) and and the people that just say it's no big deal. I, I get like, if you see like a little tiny trickle, well, yeah, that's probably not a big deal then, but, maybe it's going to get worse. Maybe it's going to be, you know, the, the, the trickle leads to a, a flow, which leads to a, you know, something worse. But I don't know how you identify mares that bleed and take them out of the quote-unquote bleed gene pool. How, how do they come out of the equation? You can't. Can. You really can't. Awesome. So I, I really downplay, honestly, to me, the, the the genetic component of it is not nearly as well it's number one it's not nearly as simple as people try to make it out to be and number two i, I don't think it's as big of a factor because uh the one thing about a horse is bleeding is you can't tell it's coming. It's not like an ankle. You see a horse got an ankle okay he's starting to carry a little heat and he's starting to starting to carry a little fill in and he's starting to you know maybe maybe the horse is a little bit off maybe uh takes a little warmer to you know a little wor- longer to warm up right? So there's signs. There's no sign for bleeding. Horses who are healthy, who look great, who train super, go out and race, around bad. You just go, mm, they bled a four out of five. Hmm. And you don't know why. <laughs> and you probably never will know why. And maybe they had a little lung infection. It just hadn't, uh, because the stress of the race hadn't, uh, hadn't brought it out. Maybe they have a bacterial infection. Maybe... They got, you know, you know, something spooked them on the way to the post, and that you know they got real nervous. Or um, th- there's a million factors. We we heard there's so much we don't even know about it. To think that just getting rid of it's going to make everything better and just it, it just it makes no sense. Yeah, you're, you're making it tougher on owners and you're making it tougher on betters. You know, you're adding a variable that can't really be quantified. Game's Huff now, ain't that the truth? <laughs> Anyways, well, I have, um, I have depressed everyone probably to the point of uh, <laughs> exhaustion. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, I'm going to circles live. GCL. We have um Naji Thompson of the new york breeders newly uh a new job that uh, yeah. he just started It's my guy right there we're gonna have him on we're gonna have him on talk about his career in racing and uh fortunately for his him new job fortunately
1: and, for him, I talk to him just as
0: much as I talk
1: to you. just think about that, yeah.
0: I'm going to talk to him about what he thinks about the demise of his alma mater, Florida. Oh State man. He won't even program. talk
1: about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I wouldn't want to talk about it either, man. They're, they're... And, and my school's football team is abysmal. We we were over this. Okay. Year.
1: This is, this, I'll put it this way. I, I have a fear, the spear shirt. Hasn't come out, out of since I moved in in August.
0: Still packed. There, <laughs> there, hasn't there hasn't been a whole lot of fear involved. Well, it depends. <laughs> Who's fearful? A fear of getting blown yes. out. Maybe
1: <laughs> the team
0: is fearing. Fear of destruction. <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna have him on tomorrow uh three fifteen four o'clock and four o'clock we're gonna have Steve scrunchie from the F H V P A. He's the president of the F H V P A. And uh he's an interesting guy. He uh his real job he he's a player agent for uh for hockey players. Um I believe he's the player agent for uh well he's player agent for uh Alexander Ovechkin, the, the hockey star the man right there. And I think he's Kung Fu Panda's uh, agent. The Kung Fu Panda. Agent's such an interesting
1: job. It's a very interesting uh, (laughs) endeavor. I'm sure he's got a ton of stories about everything.
0: Yeah, he's going to join us and talk about some of the... um, the horseman's organizations um uh, the, the challenges that we we have these days with the the technical aspect of the game from um, a business standpoint has gotten to be so much more complicated that 15 years ago we had simulcasting but it was pretty simple and there wasn't a whole lot of there were no ADWs and source fees and this and that and and, and um uh, it's changed a lot the business models change a lot and and horseman's groups uh for the most part aren't really equipped that well to to deal with it and um you know steve's a smart guy he's a lawyer i was lawyer. gonna say you gotta
1: be a lawyer and, right?
0: <laughs> yeah so he's uh you know dealing with contracts is kind of his his thing but um and we're going to talk to him about, about that and about, you know, his vision for the the South Florida racing scene and, and, um, you know, kind of talk about the HEPA down here in particular, because this is what's familiar, but, but I'll talk about the things that, that we do, um, behind the scenes that people don't know because we get criticized a lot and some of it's deserved, but, um, you know, he, he's a, he's, he's, certainly he he's the representative of the horsemen but he also is, is very cognizant of um the player's importance as well and uh you know when you see the the, the graphs and the charts showing the rise of handle in florida how how it's you know um really overtaking california and, and even new york um how important it is and how important the players are so he's going to be on a four and uh, and it should be a pretty good show I'll be listening so that's tomorrow going up circles live the Pegasus just has if to we make come it, man, it just has to be here well, it's not long. No, now. it isn't. It's not long, but um, the twenty third, the twenty third of of this month, which is a two, which is a week from this coming Saturday. Yes, indeed. So next Monday on the Big Monday Show, we should have a a, a really good idea of uh, who's showing up. Of the, of the Pegasus uh, card and. I'm not sure what day they drew it. Uh, I don't know if they drew it earlier or what, but um, but it, it it should be a good card of racing at the very least, even if the the star power is is lacking.
1: Yeah, it should be good.
0: I'm looking forward to it. It should be. Good. And by then, maybe the Knicks have won another game since they got blown. Hey, out man, outside.
1: Kevin Knox is their best shooter. I don't know.
0: Kevin Knox sucks. <laughs> yeah my man Thibodeau's burned everybody out already we didn't even make it out of January Dude. oh well there's always next year it's Patino Jr. right there Patino's got a couple of rings and he likes horses <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Thibodeau knows anything with basketball. I'll give him one thing: that guy's. Yeah,
1: he good. is. No, that—that's one God. thing he is.
0: They're down twenty-five and thirty-eight seconds to go in the game. He's still coaching, but but that's the way it goes. Well, Barry, appreciate your time as always. Appreciate you having me, man. And uh, we'll be talking uh, later on this week, I'm sure, and. Uh, Good luck with uh, all your endeavors. You too, my brother. All right. Thank you. Have a good one.